The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League. They're back. Bayern in Paris, PSG in crisis for a change. Man United back at the Nou Camp and Spurs facing Milan at the stadium they can't knock down. From Bruges to Cluj, we've got the news, the views, the games to choose. Plus, Vini Vidi Vici, we salute world champions Real Madrid in this Totally Football Show. Thursday, the 14th of February. Totally show listener with the Euro predilections. You're tuned to the fat sound of the Euro crew. A little bit less fat than usual because it's actually just me, Julian Laurence and Alvaro Romeo here with us. All right, friends. Hello. Hi, James. Hi, everyone. Hi. We will be hearing, though, from James Horncastle, who's in Milan for Milan Spurs, and from Raphael Honigstein, who handily is up in an Alp somewhere, just in time for the Champions League. <laughs> All right. Big, not like it's a big week for a German side in, in the Champions League, eh, Jules? Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm, my train is at 12.30, if you <gasps> want to know everything, to Paris. Right. Yeah. To I'm Paris. already fearing tonight's game. My word. PSG taking on Bayern on Tuesday night. We'll get Rafa's thoughts, and I imagine Jules is shortly, because PSG a big, big story at the moment. Also, coming up midweek, Milan Spurs, as mentioned on Tuesday night. On Wednesday, it's Dortmund against Chelsea for the first time ever. And Bruges Benfica. Bruges, who were the surprise story of the group stages, but then fired the man who'd been in charge for all of that, Carl Hofkins, and brought in Scott Parker. As you do. So yeah. Scott Parker in the last 16. How's Scott done since his arrival at the Belgian club? Terrible. There you go. Not good. Yeah. We could have told them. Benfica, by contrast, just the one defeat all season. All season. Crikey. Anyway, there's also Thursday night treats as well, which include a trip to the Camp Nou for, for Man United. Hmm? Mm. Take on Barcelona, Alvaro. That'll be exciting. Get your thoughts on that later on. But right now, why don't you hit us with your moment of the week? Well, my moment of the week, since we're going to talk about what Real Madrid did, um, I'm going to plump for Sergio Canales. Sergio Canales, a footballer who has had a little bit of a disappointing career sometimes, uh, breaking his knees twice, but he scored a beautiful goal against Almeria. Jimbo, Romario himself would have sponsored this goal because it was a long ball to Sergio Canales and inside the box he chested it. He cushioned the ball with his chest and then he lobbed it on top of the goalkeeper. Just everything, one touch, a beautiful goal and for me it's the moment of the week in La Liga. Ahí se la va a llevar bien Sabalí, perfecto Sabalí, bien Sabalí, la galopada, bien, la segunda mejor. El envío para Joaquín, Joaquín, qué bueno el pase para Borja, 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 gol, gol. Betis, by the way, won that game. Absolutely. Okay, very, very nice. So, Real Madrid, who you referenced there, meanwhile, this weekend winning the Club World Cup against Al Hilal. Uh, Julian Laurence, your moment of the weekend. Well, my moment of the weekend has to be Monaco uh, coming on top again against PSG. It's not, not for the first time, to be fair. They, they're usually giving them a lot of trouble, but this time it was an absolutely shocker from Paris and a, a masterclass from Monaco. Wow. Much more to come on the Parisians. 
Uh, we don't have a moment of the weekend from Rafa because I forgot to ask him when we spoke earlier. But here <laughs> is... delighted. What do you think it would be? Are you probably delighted? He, probably, yeah, he never has one, so... That's true. Very little happened in the Bundesliga anyway this weekend. So here is James Horncastle. It's Rasmus Hoyland, uh, James. One of the uh, revelations of this season uh, in City A. Just uh, breaking from within his own half and out sprinting two Lazio centre-backs. Picture you're kind of trying to jump on the tube just as the doors are closing um, and you're you're able to make it. He does that. Avanza Lukman, Lukman, area di rigore. Il sinistro e poi gol di Oilund in scivolata per il raddoppio dell'Atalanta. Yeah, for someone who they picked up for 17, 18 million from Sturm Graz in the summer. So quite a big outlay. But I, I already see people valuing at 50 million and saying that this kid is on his way to the Premier League. So he's he's really exciting and uh, is, is very much behind this Atalanta surge towards the top four. See if they can get back into the Champions League. Thank you, James. Excellent. Lots to discuss today. Let's start in Liga. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. All right, Julian Laurence, since our last show, PSG beaten in the cup at Marseille. Ouch. And then in the league this weekend, beaten by Monaco with reports in L'Equipe of arguments between players on field and then between some players and the manager in the dressing room. And now they've got Bayern Munich turning up at the Parc des Bronze. What's going on, Jules? Yeah, uh, it's not good, James, that's for sure. Um, on the pitch, to start with, you're right, two defeats in a row and it's, and it's two deserved defeats as well. So Sometimes you can play well and you can have loads of chances, but somehow you still lose. That, that can happen in football. Those two games, away at Marseille, away at Monaco, um, they were just beaten by better teams who played better, who had a better attitude, better team spirit, better cohesion, better everything than, than PSG really. And that's, it could have been worse than, than losing 2-1 in Marseille and then 3-1 in Monaco. Monaco had many, many chances. PSG were really poor and okay, there was no, no Messi on Saturday, no Mbappe, no Verratti, no Fabian Ruiz, no Hakimi, no Mendes, Akiko. Oh, I, okay, I, I can understand that it was more of a B team than the, the strongest team possible. But it was still a decent team on paper and they were just beaten all around the pitch. Really, they made mistakes. El Shaddai Bichiabu, who is one of the youngest prospects, super, super talented young kid who's only 19, made two big mistakes early on to cost them two goals. So it's not, it's not ideal, of course, but there was no reaction, nothing from Galtier, nothing from the players, really. Apart from Warren Zaire Emery, the, the other very young, super talent kid that they have that we mentioned on the show before who scored. But apart from that, there was nothing there. And that's the most worrying, really, is that there's, there's nothing in the way they play since the return of the World Cup. So then obviously, because you don't play well, because you lose games, they've lost four games in 2023 already. Uh, at Lens, at Rennes, at Marseille and Monaco, which is as many as in the whole year of 2022. It's, uh, wow. it's that bad of a start. So obviously, when that happens on the pitch, off the pitch, there's more and more tensions. There's issues between Luis Campos, the sporting director, some of the players, and especially Neymar and, and Marquinhos after the Monaco game. Neymar seems to be, again, the ones that all the negative focus is on uh, because of his attitude. And to be fair, in the game against Monaco, he was the only one of the M&M. And not only he was bad on the pitch, but it seemed that his attitude really, really 
stank the place because mm. he was abusing clearly Vitinha and Eketike. You could see on television uh, because he was frustrated. I get that, but he still should be a leader in that team, and he wasn't. So yeah, problems all around the club, in the pitch, on the pitch, outside of the pitch. The fans are not happy, obviously. Uh, they turn up at the training ground to put pressure on the players. So all of that is so toxic before the game against Bayern. Crikey. Messi didn't play against Monaco because he was injured or because he was being rested? A bit of both. He had a, like a hamstring strain. So it was not an injury. There was nothing, no tear, nothing. It was just that I think had they played him on Saturday, there was a risk that he could have actually injured his hamstring. So he will be, he'll start tonight. Uh, Marco Verratti was the same. You, so you had to rest them in a way to make sure that they would not get injured. But they will, yeah, they will play. They will play today. Okay, this game Tuesday evening very much on Gautier's mind. Then when he made the selections on the weekend. But how bad does it risk becoming in Ligue 1 with this run of bad form they're having? They're still five points clear of Marseille. Monaco with their third straight victory moving up to just two points behind uh, their neighbours down south. The thing is, February and March, as we said before, are key month for PSG because there's the two Bayern clashes, of course, Tuesday night and March the 8th, the second leg in Munich. They go away to Marseille in the league. They will be at home to Lille who, and Paulo Fonseca who've been playing really, really well lately, who, who are who have positive momentum. So it's, it's tr really tricky games for PSG and in the form that they are, unless they turn things around today. And I think the hope in Paris is that today is a like Tuesday night is a turning point. There's something clicks and finally they get back a bit to what they were before the World Cup at times because it was not perfect far from it before the World Cup either. But at least the results were there and at times the performances too. Uh, and then if you turn it on tonight and then you things change a bit, Mbappe comes back and he will be on the bench tonight and everybody kind of starts to be fully fit and playing for each other and all of that, a cohesion that hasn't been there in 2023, then they, they could be okay. But five points ahead of Marseille, seven ahead of Monaco is nothing in the form that they are now. Mm. So that could, that could even diminish quickly. And if you get knocked out by Bayern, which is also very possible, then, then suddenly the season's turns into a nightmare and then I don't know what will happen to Galtier, to Campos that will have an impact on the future of Messi, Neymar and Mbappe for sure as well so it would be it would be something else Key game what's the big hope for PSG is it that the way Bayern play will give the likes of Messi and, and well more Mbappe I guess with his pace and Neymar the, the, the chance to kind of break behind and and catch the Bavarians out? Or is it more just about individual moments of brilliance? It would have to be individual moments of brilliance because Mbappe will be on... I mean, I think he will be on the bench. He wants to start. He's pushing to start. I don't think they will risk him and start him, which will be a risk. Uh, the problem is if he's not there, I don't know who can make those runs in behind and take advantage of the fact that Bayern will play with a high defensive line, which they do home and away regardless of who they face. The only way you could exploit that space is if you play with wing-backs, so with a back three, and then you'll have Nuno Mendes on one side and Hakimi on the other side. And they will be the one who run in behind and Messi and Neymar will ask the ball into feet, for example. The thing is, if you play a back three, as we saw the weekend for Werder Bremen against Bayern, then I think Bayern will destroy you. So it's, a, it's like, you know, what do you pick, what do you go for tactically? I just don't think Galtier has much of a clue right now. To be fair, he looks pretty lost to me. And Mbappe not, not being able to start is a huge blow because I think had he been fit and ready, then 
then yeah. Bayern would fear this team far more, and especially all that space that he can run into. Now it's a very different game. But Neymar had his best PSG game, really, one of the best, two years ago when they faced Bayern, home and away, especially the home leg, where he was outstanding. So mm. he's capable of having an, an amazing game and, and almost winning it for PSG on his own. Same with Messi. I just, I'm not sure collectively this team is strong enough to play against a team as good as Bayern right now. Okay, that was, that was what, 2021 when PSG yeah. put Bayern out of the competition on away goals. And that was before they had Messi in their side as well. And that was when they were still in a rubbish old Pochettino. So, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go. We'll hear from... No Lewandowski that day. No Lewandowski, very true. Which, of course, he won't be featuring for... Uh, Bayern this evening as well. well. We'll hear from Rafa on, on Bayern, who have uh, returned to winning ways of late soon enough, but back to Ligue 1, Jules, where Marseille stayed second with a 2-0 win at Clermont. A game delayed for nearly an hour yeah. after fights between the two sets of supporters outside the stadium forced police to use uh, tear gas and, and, and the like. Yeah, it was more the fact that there was a few Marseille fans who were there without tickets who forced their way in. Oh. Um, and and yeah, I think that caused the delay more than... F there was a little bit of fighting, but not much, compared to uh, the scenes outside the away end, if you want, where the Marseille fans were... Well, I mean, clearly, I think you could see on television that they were more than what uh, the ticket allocations was. And you can understand why they, there's, there's so much excitement around the team. I mean, you should not get into a stadium and force your way in without a ticket. This is not what I'm saying. But like, you could see why more and more Marseille fans want to follow the team home and away because they have something very good going on. We said that before, they play well. I mean, although they didn't play well against Clermont, but they won. Alexis Sanchez scored two goals, mm. one on a very, very generous penalty. But this is what they have. They have that kind of momentum and the, the luck going their way. But they they clearly enjoying themselves at the moment. Tudor is is doing really, really well. I know they lost to Nice not that long ago and we mentioned the mistakes that he made. But but certainly that win against PSG I think changed a lot of things. Even if that was just in the cup, mm. uh, that was that was huge. They hadn't won against PSG for twelve years at home. Uh it was very the nemesis, the, the old enemy that always comes to haunt you and to, to taunt you. And then for them to, to beat PSG the way they did as well was very good. They kept that going on for Clermont. Now they've got nothing in this midweek, of course. They're not in Europe anymore. And then, and then they will have a game at the weekend trying to put more pressure on PSG. Crikey. Reims, in the meantime, have climbed up to 10th spot with a 4-0 win at the weekend against Troyes, who are the club with the most goals conceded now in Europe's top five leagues. 50 goals right. they've shipped. Yep. That's the derby right. as well, you know, Champagne derby. Is it? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. and we'll steal Nods. again. Mm. Uh, and Flo Balogun scoring again. So mm. Top scorer in Liga. Yeah, again, despite Jonathan David scoring two. Mm. The fact that Flo scored again uh, means that with 15, 15 goals in 22 games, now it's ridiculous. And they were so good. And Will Steele, who showed his uh, lack of experience a little bit and his, his, his young age in midweek in the Cup, where he said to, basically, quickly, he said to his players... After they won at the week, last weekend in the in the league, let's go and play against Toulouse in the cup in midweek, and let's go and smash them. And that was caught by the cameras and the the microphones, and that was played out. Yeah, and obviously, guess what? Reims lost at Toulouse, and the Toulouse players and fans and the club saying, "Well, you see, you said that you're going to come and smash us in our place, then we smashed you." So I think he learned a lot from that. He he did his mea culpa, made a man for it. And then they went back to winning ways in the derby in the best way possible. He's really, really fascinating guy. Really great guy. Very nice. Uh, Jules, what else from the world of French football? 
Just one last thing, James, because you, you know, you would remember the name Ryan Shirky because I've, I've been like doing your head in about him for the last three years, really. And I've, I've, I've mentioned many, many times what an incredible, talented kid he is. Well, it seems that the super talented kid that he is and that he's always been since he made his debut at 16, is now finally getting the right maturity and consistency because he was outstanding on Sunday night against Lens. Scored one, assisted one for Lacazette. Lyon won and a big win that they needed. And Shirky was at the heart of everything that they did is watching him play like that is is wonderful he's such an elegant gifted player and he's someone Jimbo that you would love to learn that takes corners on both sides right foot and left foot both in swinging so um, not many players have that talent indeed not like Cazorla like Cazorla indeed yeah mm. uh, Jimbo a, a word of, of appreciation only for Wissam Ben Yedder really if he was Dutch, if he was Spanish or if he was Italian, he would have had easily 50-60 caps for the national team. But unluckily for him, he's French and there is a lot of talent up front in France right now. But what a player. Mm. So on the score sheet at the weekend against PSG, on 14 goals just behind uh, Flo Balogun in the goal scoring charts. Kylian Mbappe trailing in there in fourth currently at the moment. Ooh. All right. Let's check in on Raphael Honigstein with Tales of Bayern and the Bundesliga. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures around the world. Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only, full account terms apply, and of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Raphael Honigstein, thank you so much for joining us. Four Bundesliga teams in the Champions League, two are in action this week. Dortmund hosting Chelsea on Wednesday, and Tuesday night it is Bayern PSG. Woof. First of all, <laughs> nice little warm-up win for Bayern, 3-0 at the weekend. Yeah, although this man was very unhappy the Bayern players a very intense 90 seconds steam talk with the inference being that it was quite harsh um, and then he went outside and watched videos on his laptop or his iPad okay they did win but they didn't convince and it's been a bit of a theme the results have been okay-ish by Bayern standards but very few performances where you actually felt okay this is the Bayern Munich red machine on full throttle. It's all very half-hearted and stuttering at the moment. Okay. Well, the 3-0 scoreline looked impressive enough. Certainly their record in the Champions League this season has been almost impeccable. 18 goals scored, six wins out of six, only two goals conceded. And in terms of goal scoring, Lewandowski's departure has been absorbed with that too many issues. They're the, the most prolific attack anywhere in Europe, even more than the second place team, which is huh, PSG. How confident are you that despite Nagelsmann's 90 second rage, uh, Bayern are, are over their kind of New Year blip? Well, we don't know. There's a hope and a almost a auto-suggestion that because it's the Champions League, they will somehow magically turn it on the way that they have done in the group stage, where even when they had a little blip then, four games without a win in the league, they beat everyone, including Barcelona and Inter home and away. 
you could say that they got a little bit lucky in, in some of those games and perhaps they weren't that convincing after all, but they kind of turned it on and yeah, they're, they're hoping that this will be the same story, but no one really knows. Um, if you want to read a little bit more into it in recent history, it does smack a little bit of last season where they had a very strong first half and then for whatever reason, things just kind of didn't progress anymore and Bayern then were knocked out by Villarreal in the last 16. So there's so much riding on this on this uh, couple of games. This is really the season-defining two, three weeks for Bayern. And we're all waiting to see if the real Bayern Munich or the Bayern Munich that they want to be will show up. Uh, you were speaking to uh, one of the new stars at the back uh, uh, for Bayern Munich, uh, Matas de Ligt. Rafa, anything exciting in that? I was surprised how open he was. He talked about how difficult things were for him at Italy, where the focus was all about uh, on mistakes rather than the stuff that he thought did well as a pretty young defender still. And that he is um, on a constant ch- battle, I think he called it, to, to become a better player. Um, he talked about the mindset of a defender. He talked about reading lots of defenders' autobiographies because he almost feels as if these are the only people that really understand the pressures of this particular job where one mistake, a little bit like goalkeepers, can mean the difference between uh, being you know, the hero and, and losing the game for your team. And just a really, really smart, very, very intelligent guy. Yeah, it was, was really interesting speaking to him. Okay. And quite uncontroversial by your standards as well for a, a Bayern Munich <laughs> interview. Good. Well, we can read more of that on theathletic.com. Meantime, Dortmund are hosting Chelsea on Wednesday. Are you any more optimistic about uh, their chances? Yeah, Dortmund have looked good. They've had six wins in a row. Im Weserstadion. Guerrero macht das stark, setzt sich gegen zwei Mann durch. Jetzt der tolle Pass in die Spitze auf Julian Brandt. Wird verfolgt von Stark, dribbelt sich vorbei, Schuss und ja! Julian Brandt, der gebürtige Bremer. Uh, perhaps even more importantly, defensively, they're really solid all of a sudden. Uh, they haven't conceded many um, after that uh, first game uh, since the restart, the 4-3 win against Augsburg. They've been much more stable at the back, much more organised, more balanced. I think Emre Chan has had a big role in that. He's come back after that Augsburg game and that's coincided with Dortmund looking a lot better as a real sort of holding number six player. doesn't really do anything else. He's perhaps the player that they've missed a lot. When Whenever they played him in, in the Champions League, they've looked really good. But in the league, uh, for the first half of the season, Eden Terzic mostly played with a different setup, only two midfielders and... Now that Chan is back there, I think he's. It, it looks as if he's found the winning formula. Uh, also, what's big for Dortmund is that they have all the big players ready and fit to come in. And whenever somebody's not having a good game, somebody else comes in and, you know, from the bench, like Jamie Bynum-Gittens at the weekend uh, or um, Gio Reyna the other day, and just makes a difference for this team. And Mukoko will not play he's unfortunately injured but they have of course Sebastian Allaire they have Anthony Modest and they have all these players around them who have finally begun to find a bit of resilience and that kind of mental fortitude and focus that this team had been missing in the past so yeah Dortmund I think have a good reason to be optimistic against a Chelsea side that I think still in search of um, of themselves Uh, they have a, a big squad but perhaps not a functioning team just yet.
Mm. And that can be an unforgiving stadium to play in front of if you're not absolutely sure of yourself. Uh, OK, so that's coming up on Wednesday. They were coming off a victory at the weekend, 2-0 over Werder Bremen. In fact, all of the top four won in the Bundesliga. Perhaps the result of the weekend, they're coming from second-place side Union Berlin, just one point behind Bayern Munich, who went to RB Leipzig and ended their, what, 18-game unbeaten run, coming from behind to take a 2-1 victory? Yeah, and Union, once again, really impressive. It's the sixth time now, I think, that they've come from behind. Very, very, very good. And they somehow you know, bring sort of all the best of German football virtues, if you will, to bear. Hard running, hard fighting, um, very efficient, never give up. Uh, but also, of course, with enough footballing qualities and skill to, to win all these games. You don't win them just by by being very good and very together in terms of the, the basics. And week by week, they, they surprise themselves. They don't let Bayern settle. They are still within a point of them. And now you could say maybe they've even added that extra bit that you need if you really want to be a top side, which is to actually get a little bit lucky. Because uh, Timo Werner, um, there was a goal uh, chalked off uh, because Timo Werner was offside, which is uh, a line that Chelsea fans will be familiar with. But in this particular case, it was a very controversial decision by VAR because there was a misplaced pass and Werner picked it up and then went towards goal. But it was then uh, on review found that this was not a controlled, deliberate play, but rather a uh, you know a, a rebound or an uncontrolled pass and therefore it was chalked off. Um, otherwise, maybe Leipzig would have continued their good their good form and their good run and we'd be having a different conversation but yeah Union just stayed in the game scored a fantastic winner and here they are and they've got Ajax in midweek and mm. you wouldn't bet against them to pull off the biggest result in their history uh, they haven't played in Europe before this is their first time and look how well they're doing Ajax on Thursday looking forward to that and of course we'll be covering that in our special uh, Europa League stroke Europa Conference League goals show on uh, that evening uh, Rafa before you go back uh, to the exciting stuff you've been doing a quick word for former Leipzig manager Domenico Tedesco who's become manager of Belgium was that a surprise? Uh, it was initially a surprise but it's been uh, kind of a very badly kept secret for 10 two days maybe two weeks so when they finally announced it it was no longer a surprise mm. interesting choice um, Tedesco has done some really good work both at Leipzig, where he won the, the cup, the first ever trophy for them, but uh, before also, when he was uh, really good at Schalke, but he's never been able to maintain those good starts that he's had. And then in the second year, uh, things go very badly. Now, maybe as an international coach, it's a different dynamic. You don't have that many games. And if you can stretch out all the games over uh, a couple of years, maybe it's a different, uh, it's a different story for him. But yeah, interesting choice. And of course, he will come against... Um, Ralf Rangnick, so who's the Austria coach? Uh, that should be an interesting meeting, because they both have, of course, the uh, Red Bull background. So yeah, interesting one. Interesting one indeed. All right, Rafa, we look forward to seeing you again soon, and bye bye for now. Bye bye. All right, continuing our whirlwind tour of the continental game. It's on to another of Tuesday night's teams in the Champions League, Milan 
who take on Spurs. For tales of that and other Serie A stories, let's go to Milan to hear from James Horncastle. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Well, joining us now live from Milan, James Horncastle. All right, James. Hello. Hello. Well, big night ahead in Milan on Tuesday as Milan take on Spurs. Milan, who Friday, in timely fashion, ended their seven-game losing streak with a mighty 1-0 win against Torino. James, then, ahead of Spurs, how much was this a return to form? Well, it was a return to winning ways, James, uh, and they got a clean sheet. Um, It wasn't a return to form. Uh, as such, they still look pretty fragile. They are playing a different system uh, from the one that won them the league, what, eight, nine months ago. Um, and it's only their second game really playing it. Um, so, you know, if you are Spurs in tip-top condition, which they're not, um, I would think that they would be uh, looking at Milan and thinking they can put this team away. However, you know, Spurs have lost themselves at the weekend and have got some some bad injuries, particularly in midfield. Um, so it looks like uh, Oli Skip and uh, Sa will be playing there. Hoiberg suspended. Um, so there's a real opportunity for Milan uh, in some respects. It's just, can they suddenly click uh, in in the way that they had been doing, really, uh, up until up until February, when everything seems to have fallen apart. Mm. Can they grab this opportunity by the throat like like Reno did with Joe Jordan all those those years <laughs> ago? What do you think? Are you are you confident about Milan's ability to wake up again for this this massive opportunity in Europe? I think this is really difficult to call, but I wonder what impact uh, San Siro will have um, tonight because it's the first time that Milan have played in the Champions League knockout stages in uh, nine years. Um, since Clarence Seedorf was on the bench, uh, they played Atletico Madrid, uh, and that was really the kind of the beginning of the end for Berlusconi's uh, Milan, and and so. San Siro on these kind of nights is it's 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 different. Um, it is like I suppose when there's a derby della Madonnina. I wonder if uh, the players can draw some kind of inspiration um, from that, and whether some of their best players will perform because Giroud has been scoring uh, recently, scored in his last two games at uh, San Siro, 
but they really need the kind of best Rafaelao, I think, if they are to uh, to win tonight. Um, but yeah, it just seems that these teams at the moment are quite fragile, and you know that, for example, even with the injuries that Spurs have got, San Siro was home to Antonio Conte, it was home to Ivan Ivan Perisic, and Perisic used to cause Milan uh, all kinds of problems. Um, you've got players like Kulusevski, Romero, who are no strangers to this atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, I'm struggling to call this. I think it's probably the most open tie that there is in the in the round of 16 of the Champions League. I see. On the subject of San Siro, meanwhile, a lot of people under the impression that they're going to be knocking it down any day now. Just where well, are we in terms of a decision? There seems to be a lot of posturing about the two clubs going their separate ways, even to different grounds. <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, fans should not be fearful about um, San Siro uh, being demolished anytime soon. Um, you know, that is, again, don't rely on social media for your news. Uh, they're at an impasse at this moment in time, uh, which is uh, what every stadium project finds itself in uh, in, in Italy. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, look, Milan's new owners uh, are open uh, and engaging with um, building their own stadium, which you know might be in a different location, in Sesto San Giovanni, or there's another location. So there's a plan B, there's a plan C. Into look, yeah, you know, I've seen this news report in Gazetta this week about saying, "Hey guys, we want to partner in the stadium uh, with you." Uh, well, okay, but you know what's 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 the ownership situation at Inter? Are they are they able to invest in the stadium? Are they able to, you know, are, are they going to be involved for the long term? at Inter um, I think you know I think that's the bigger question because you know come 2024 Inter have got to uh, pay off this this emergency loan that they they took out from from Oak Tree which is you know close to 300 million um, it's almost a new stadium that's worth mm. money <laughs> so so you've got all that going on and you've got the kind of classic cultural resistance, James, that's going on. It's become a political football to be kicked around by various people in politics. I've been walking around Milan today and there are posters with, you know, a candidate for local elections saying, you know, he will not knock down he will not knock down San Siro. So yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky situation. But you know, I, I imagine you and I will be broadcasting from San Siro in 20, 30, 40 years time, James. So I really wouldn't be, I really wouldn't be worried about um, uh, you know, this being your last chance to tick it off on your bucket list if you're a fan. Excellent. All right. Well, quick check on the situation in the league. Napoli down 15 points clear. They won 3-0 against bottom of the table Cremonese on Sunday evening. Monday then, Inter only managed a goalless draw at Sampdoria. Uh, yeah. So... A uh, bit of a bit of a chasm there. There's a race going on for the other three top four spots behind Napoli. Inter are what three points clear of the the cluster of teams that are they're all level on 41 points. You've got Atalanta, Roma, and Milan all level with Milan just outside on on goal difference, and then Lazio two behind. The big game at the weekend in the top four race was Lazio's clash with Atalanta at home, which saw them lose two nil to the mighty uh, Gasparini's side. Yeah, that was uh, again that Fabio Capello said uh, was the gold standard in in Italy, uh, kind of the most Premier League style game um, that he's seen in 2023 in Serie A. Um, you know, Lazio have got the second best defence in the league this year. They've conceded 22 fewer goals than uh, last season, so it was expected that they would be a really tough opponent 
for Atalanta. And instead, I think Atalanta had like more than 20 shots, 10 on target, um, and uh, looked as good as they have done since they had Papu Gomez, Ilicic and uh, Zapata all fit and firing. Um, together, they've got this completely new front line uh, with uh, Boga, Ademola Lukman, um, and Rasmus Hoyland. And uh, those last two are probably the only players who can rival Kabadatskelia to be the best signing um, of of the summer. Um, yeah, it's just uh, fantastic. And really kind of uh, puts the cat amongst the pigeons again in this kind of top four uh, race, James, because Atalanta look like the team that is is most in form. They, they tend to finish this, the season really strongly as well. They're not in any cup competitions. They're not in Europe. They're not in the Coppa Italia. So they can just focus on on this. And, um, and yeah, so... It's quite exciting. I noticed in the Inter um, Samp nil nil James that your old mate David Platt was in attendance at uh, at Marassi. Um, he seemed to be wearing a, a kind of you know a varsity jacket, a bomber jacket, um, and was heralded as King David. Um, so, so there you go. Remarkable. Remarkable. All right. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere in Serie A, Monza continued their unbeaten streak. They haven't lost a game since before the World Cup, a 1-0 victory mm-hmm. at Bologna. They're up to 10th place now. Uh, Verona yeah. also got a win. They were the only other team in the bottom half to uh, get a victory this weekend. So they are now uh, only two points from safety, kind of reopening the whole relegation battle. We've got them uh, next Sunday night at Roma, who only <sighs> drew disappointingly 1-1 with Lecce. Uh, that could be an interesting game. Well, one certainly hopes so. Roma, of course, will have European action before that on Thursday when they take on uh, Red Bull Salzburg. Uh, what are the mm. prospects there, do you think, James? Oh, I think it's tricky, James, because um, Roma's squad gets uh, smaller and smaller. Uh, Nicolo Zaniolo has, has, uh, has been sold to Galatasaray outside the transfer window that uh, you and I know, but uh, it was open a little bit longer in Turkey until February the 8th. Rick Karsdorp, another player that was part of their Conference League winning team, is out in the cold. Uh, after a, a fallout with uh, with Mourinho before the World Cup, um, so this period where they're going to start playing Thursday Sunday uh, again is is going to be quite stressful. I think Salzburg play kind of football which City uh, teams do not like playing against, kind of super intense, chaotic, high pressing. So it'll be interesting to see how Roma fare. You know, on paper their league fixtures. Mean that uh, it should be it should be quite navigable for them. Mm. Um, insofar as they started last week with Lecce, they've got Verona next week, then they've got Cremonese. But as we've already seen, they dropped points against Lecce. Verona, uh, I thought they were dead and buried, but they're four games unbeaten, and now they're only uh, a couple of points from safety. Um, so that's that's a real turn up from the uh, turn up for the books. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's going to be tricky. I think for Roma mm. now, the objective is, look, if they win the Europa League, which I think is going to be a real challenge, they can yeah. get the Champions League. But they are still in the top four race in, in Italy and probably trying to stay in that top four race in Italy is their best route to the Champions League. OK, I should mention that Verona's 1-0 win against Salernitana on Monday. Uh, it may well see uh, the Salernitana manager, Davide Nicola, fired by that club for the second time in, what, a month? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, why you're quite hesitant about uh, reporting that, James, is because Davide Nicola might uh, call the president of Salernitana again 
and uh, persuade him to have a change of heart, which mm. is uh, what happened last time. Um, but um, I mean, again, Salonitana four points from safety. Okay, so it's it's not a it's not a huge gap. Um, but if there was anyone you'd you'd want to replace, if you if there's anyone you'd want to come in and save your team, it would be the guy that they're sacking now. Um, so. Um, well, so, that's yeah, what we'll they did last see. time. They fired him and then were able to bring him in because he was <laughs> available. That's obviously the thinking in Salerno. <laughs> yeah, alas, uh, it hasn't worked. Um, All right. But, but there switch you it off, it. switch it on again. Nice. All right. <laughs> well, enjoy the game at San Siro while you still can, James. And we'll catch up with you, well, Sunday on Galato Live on BT and then next Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Oh, finally, time to hear about La Liga and related Spanish stuff. Alvaro Romeo, let's begin with some of that related Spanish stuff in the shape of the Club World Cup, which concluded this weekend in Morocco with a mighty win for Real Madrid, 5-3 against Al-Hilal. They made a real game of it, though, the Saudi Arabian side. Uh, I think that they, they tried. Uh, they were sometimes uh, looking like coming back because Real Madrid was uh, 2-1 at some point in the game. But uh, I think that the scoreline could be a little bit deceptive because uh, after 58 minutes, Real Madrid was winning 4-1. And that looked like uh, done and dusted for Real Madrid. That said, the 55-3 result is uh, really nice to see. It was a very entertaining game. And Hal Hilal uh, deserves a lot of praise as well because they beat Flamengo in the semifinals and... Uh, I did expect Flamengo to play uh, Flamengo, sorry, to play the final against Real Madrid, but uh, they were um, a man down against Alquilal, and you know uh, the eventual finalist uh, capitalized on that. So it was a nice club World Cup and another title for Real Madrid. One more. Arriba, aquí la tiene todo el mundo. Va Karina pillarla, va Karina hacerse la foto. Todos, todos celebrando con estos fuegos artificiales. En el cielo de Rabat. Excellent, and it was a, it was nice to see it staged in Morocco as well. Uh, it, wa- it was nice because to start with, um, Vinicius wasn't the focal point all the time because one <laughs> plays in Spain now, especially away, uh, he's getting uh, plenty of agro uh, by the most uh, vociferous uh, football fans. And I wanted to make a point about Real Madrid because I think that you know sometimes we take as granted that the European side wins the Club World Cup. In fact. 
uh, Chelsea was the last one to lose uh, Club World Cup final, uh, that was in 2012, but uh, Real Madrid has been capitalizing on um, European finals for a very long time now. The last European final they lost, or the last final they lost uh, worldwide, I believe it was against Atletico de Madrid in the European Super Cup, but... Um, I think that Real Madrid they are doing something great for their own posterity right now because, you know, you have to think that uh, this uh, decade alone or in the last nine years they have won four Champions League and four Club World Cups uh, and they are topping the charts in the Inter Intercontinental Cup, which was the game against uh, South America and Europe in the past, in the Club World Cup, obviously, and in the Champions League because they have won 14. So internationally, their honor list is incredible and uh, they've been getting so many titles in the last decade that almost they have leaped forward in the charts and I don't see any side uh, catching up with Real Madrid maybe in a century or something like that so what they have done is incredible because they don't forget that Real Madrid from the 60s until the late 90s they didn't win a European Cup and AC Milan was about to catch them in the Champions League uh, trophy list well they didn't do it and now Real Madrid seems uncatchable really so congratulations to them because he's been an excellent 25 years if you look at it with perspective we will remember this in the future mm, I'm sure and they'll probably remind us as well it's the 100th title of the history 100 they've won 100 wow. titles in the history it's the 31st 31 and the Florentino Perez which is as many as under hmm. Santiago Bernabeu it's, it's remarkable Alvaro is right. I don't think we and we really appreciate what the domination that they've had under Florentino Perez. Whether we like him or not, and whether we think that he's doing a, he's, you know, he's a he's a good guy or not, uh, the success under him has been incredible. Okay, the success in the Liga, meanwhile, not quite so much. They didn't play obviously this weekend because they were in Morocco, but only two wins in their last five in La Liga. They're now eleven points behind Barcelona, who took advantage of their absence. Uh, to open up uh, an even bigger lead with a 1-0 win over Villarreal. Yet another clean sheet. Pedri uh, scoring Barcelona's goal, assisted by Lewandowski, ahead of a pretty tasty-looking tie for them on Thursday night in the Europa League playoffs as they take on Manchester United. Little bit of history there, Alvaro. A little bit of history in there. The last time they played, it was in 2019 when Lionel Messi just did that to Phil Jones, I remember perfectly. But uh, before that, you know, they played a number of Champions League finals, of course, the last one in 2011. And, um, you know, for Spanish sides or for Spanish media as well, winning at Old Trafford and going to Old Trafford is something, is something very special. I mean, it's been always highlighted like the place to go and the place to win. The truth is that the Spanish sides against Manchester United have done decently over the last 20 years, but this game is at Camp Nou and this tie is so important for Barcelona's self-esteem. It will also test Manchester United's project, but Manchester United, they are competing in the Premier League and right now the Premier League has a really good level, but the self-esteem of Barcelona is something that has to be composed again. Because uh, over the last five, six years, you know that they have had many European fiascos and many nights to forget in Europe. And this time, Manchester United arrives at Camp Nou. It's a very good moment for Barcelona. Araujo's defense has been titanic, like a titan. Ter Stegen, he's been pivotal in keeping so many clean sheets. Um, the new system with four midfielders give Pedri and De Jong the freedom that they needed. De Jong is playing better than ever for Barcelona. And Pedri, what can, can we say about this guy? Barcelona has won four games 1-0 and 
Pedri has been the scorer, meaning that Pedri has given Barcelona 12 points this season, pretty much with his goals. And, um, you know, I think that it's a good moment for Barcelona. Rafinha's eagerness to to prove that he's worth Barcelona's shirt uh, is very appreciated among the, um, the players. And um, I do believe that uh, Manchester United is going to offer another type of test because Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes, especially these two, they can really score goals against you. So Barcelona will have to sharpen um, defensively or at least to offer their best defensive version. But yeah, in La Liga they are, I wouldn't say that running away with, with the title because Real Madrid will probably beat Elche on Wednesday and then they will cut the deficit to eight points and there is a classical left, but definitely Barcelona is in a very good place in La Liga right now. So congratulations to them. But as I said before, Barcelona will have to sharpen defensively because the chance that Morales missed against Ter Stegen is the kind of chance that Marcus Rashford won't miss against the German goalkeeper. So you cannot concede chances like this. Okay, that's the early game. It's one of the early games on Thursday, 5.30. That will be kicking off UK time. So Barcelona 11 points clear as it stands of Real Madrid, who have a game in hand in La Liga. Three points behind Real in third are Real Sociedad with Atletico Madrid uh, with a, a win against Celta Vigo away uh, this weekend to stay in fourth place. Uh, the goal coming there from Memphis to buy his first for his new club. Exactly. Memphis scored the winner. Uh, he is doing some sort of a pre-season inside the season because he's hmm. not very fit yet. Uh, let's not forget that before the World Cup, he barely played because he, he picked an injury and then he prioritized probably uh, playing with the Netherlands in the World Cup rather than playing for Barcelona in November. And uh, it's good news for him that he scored the goal, of course, I think that he's still a long way to go from his best fitness. But for me, the most remarkable thing is, number one, that Jano Black was already superb. One of the saves of the weekend uh, has been made by him when uh, he just uh, got the ball away from the goal line. Uh, Yaguaspas was about to score, but Black just uh, turned up on time. And then Atletico won with 10 men because mm. Savic was sent off in the 17th minute, red card for the, for the defender of Atletico de Madrid. And yet, uh, 15, 20 minutes later, Memphis Depay scored. So a good win for Atletico de Madrid, that's for sure, with the dose of epicity that Diego Pablo Simeone likes. And the next game of Atletico de Madrid is going to be against Athletic Club Bilbao mm. at Wanda Metropolitano. And Atletico de Madrid are going to have a very nice gesture with Athletic Club Bilbao, because this is the 125th anniversary of us, Athletic Club Bilbao. And since Atletico de Madrid is a derivation of Athletic Club Bilbao, it was founded by students from Bilbao in Madrid, Atletico will let us play with our first kit in Madrid in the next game, um, because let's not forget that Atletico de Madrid kit is inspired in our home colors. Mm. It was Athletic Club de Bilbao that fathered Atletico, <laughs> all those years ago. Mm. Yeah. Crikey. Uh, now, also in action on Thursday night are Sevilla, who were not so long ago down in the bottom three in La Liga, but have climbed up to the heights of 12th. They're four points clear of the drop uh, as they prepare to take on uh, PSV Eindhoven. Uh, 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 things looking a lot better then for Sevilla. And, and what are their prospects against the Dutch side? I think that they are going to be very competitive at home against um, PSV because Sevilla has won four games a in a row at home, three of them against uh, 
the teams in the relegation zone. But what they did this weekend against Mallorca was uh, far more um, remarkable and it had a bigger merit because Mallorca um, came into Sánchez Pijuan after beating Real Madrid. And uh, Sevilla put a really good fight in the first half and they managed to create many chances. I think that uh, those waves of chances that Sevilla created in the first half have been unseen this season at Sánchez Pijuan. However, they did it and um, I think that uh, in Neciri was very important. The likes of Brian Hill or uh, even Pape Gay offer a lot, even though, for example, Pape Gay won't be able to feature in the Europa League for Sevilla. And um, the many chances that Sevilla created in the first half tell me that they are at least in the right direction. They are having a more positive approach to the games. And, you know, they are not playing with so much fear anymore because they know that at home they are creating some sort of a fortress. And I think that this is going to be tough for PSV and Doven, who, by the way, they must be fuming that they are playing this playoff because they were really good in the group stage of the Europa League. They just happened to play with Arsenal in the same group. But they are the highest scoring side in the Europa League, still 15 goals. And they got 13 points in the group stage, but life is life. Life, as you say, is life. Crikey. All right then. Mm. All right, we're looking forward to that. What time's that one, Alvaro, on, on Thursday? It's at 8pm. Is it? Because it's, yeah. it's going to be tough to keep you know, your eye on everything. Luckily, luckily, luckily there's a goal show. Indeed. With all the Europa League and Europa Conference League. Five hours of Jimbo in- on television. <laughs> Five hours of Jimbo on television. Who, who would not want Six- to watch that? What games have you? What games are you going to be covering, Jules, in the Goal Show on Thursday from five o'clock? I have uh, the big one, of course, uh, Barcelona Manchester United uh, at the early kickoff, and then I've got Juvet- Juventus Nantes, and I've got some crappy ones, like uh, yeah, bad ones, but, you know. Okay, Juventus Nantes is going to be an interesting one. Is it? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so, I, I mean, there's I no way Nantes. There's no way no there's no way Juventus cannot cannot not qualify. I mean Nantes are gonna play really with the heart on the sleeve and they're gonna give everything and put a lot of effort and try to be as solid as possible and the atmosphere at the La Bourgeois is gonna be fantastic and it's great. They wanted a big draw and they got the big the biggest draw maybe possible. Uh so they're very happy with that. But they I mean, come on, it's not they're not they're not very good. Not defensively, not offensively. Uh, they got even lucky in a way to, to get there. And if you were play like they did at the weekend for the first time with a, with a Chiesa, Vlahovic, Di Maria from three, for example, with Rabiot in the form that he's been in, I know mm. Juve have had problems this season, but they, they, they should be too good for none. So, I mean, it would be an incredible upset if not managed over two legs to, uh, to knock out Juventus. Absolutely. Uh, Juventus returning to form of late, concurrent with that 15-point penalty, which, of course, we're waiting for the appeal on. They put together a run of four straight clean sheets and three straight wins, which this weekend, this Sunday afternoon, saw them defeat historic rivals Fiorentina 1-0 with, as Jules mentioned, Keza back in the side alongside uh, Di Maria and Vlajevic. So things beginning to come together for Max Allegri's side on the field at least. Very good. Well, loads to look forward to. We will be getting together on Thursday night. Do hope, listener, you'll be uh, maybe having a look at uh, even a few minutes of those uh, wonderful five hours that awaits us of Europa and Europa Conference League delights. And then on Tuesday, we'll be back with more tales of continental football. Uh, For today, many thanks to Jules and Alvaro for actually turning up. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, some and some so, are committed, others are not. You know what some, I mean? Some not so much. I mean, James is off at the game. Yeah. Give us a new contract. Exactly. Very nice. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Our thanks as well, obviously, to Rafa and James and producer Jesse and you, listener. What an outstanding job you did. We will be back soon. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.